You're listening to Circle of Hope Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. But I do want to make a New Year's resolution. I want to find new ways to deal with my dissatisfaction. I want to find out how to deal with my disappointment in some new ways. Anybody else feel any dissatisfaction or disappointment 2016? It was a disappointing year for a lot of people. It was, it, I think it was a record, record year for a disappointment for a lot of my friends. I've, I've hardly ever known such dissatisfied people as ones that I've known in 2016. And they talk about it like 2016 is so disappointing. Yeah, I get it. But like, um, what are we going to do about that? I mean, I don't think we should just judge the people who are disappointed, right? Or just tell them, you're just disappointed. That's what you are. You're a little disappointed person. Like, what, what, is the, let's, what tools does that offer? What possible solutions? So that's what I want to get into in a kind of gnarly speech that I'm going to make. That I'll have some fun stuff, but some super serious um, moments that I think can help us all have a sense of why we're dissatisfied, if you are, and you probably are at some level. Uh, and how do we let God actually deal with our disappointment? So I want to read from Jeremiah 31, which um, brings up the, today's New Testament text in, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew. This is what Jeremiah wrote. This is what the Lord says. A cry is heard in Ramah, deep anguish and bitter weeping. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for her children are gone. This prophecy is so beautiful, but it's also, it can, just connects to that, I mean, maybe dissatisfaction and disappointment through weeping and, and a lack of comfort. Maybe that, those words are too small. And when you think of your disappointment or your dissatisfaction, it seems like trivial compared to that kind of, that poetic beauty. But this, of course, is what Matthew adds to his gospel, telling the story of Jesus. And... Um, we're kind of out of order here. We're just going to put it out there. We kind of decided that Advent was going to happen. Jesus got born. This is according to our liturgical calendar. Jesus got born last week. And now there's going to be opportunity for the Magi to come and bring these gifts. That's going to happen next week. Now, today, is sort of like after the Magi already visit. So in terms of liturgical time, we're stepping out of linear time. Okay? <laughs> Time travel can be weird. You know, sometimes, you know, you, you just, you get, you think you got time nailed down, and it just gets a little, little squirrely. But this is what Matthew writes. Now, after those magi had left, you, you, I hope, know the story because Christmas just happened, and you saw nativity scenes, and you know something about these gifts that these folks bring. An angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and says, get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for the king Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. Now when the king saw that he had been tricked by those wise men, those he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem 
who were two years or un, older or under, according to the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because there are no more. So that's a kind of uh, heavy, it's a heavy situation for Jesus to be born into. You could take the, the larger political overlays of the moment in time, what's happening among his, his people, but then there's this, this massacre of the innocents, the people who don't deserve death, but get death doled out by the government in particular. And that is just, uh, dealing with death is something that a lot of people I found in 2016 really starting to cope with. I want to do an exercise that is very ethically questionable, but I want to read just the names of some people that died in 2016. Search your own feelings. Maybe you've heard of them. Maybe you felt some kind of way when you heard that they were dead. And I'm going to just tell you what's going to happen afterwards because I don't want this to be too much of like a setup. But we're going to talk about other people that were dying this year and how you feel about them and how you feel about the stories, particularly the, the innocents that continue to get massacred by unjust governments. So first, start with David Bowie, Alan Rickman, Vanity, Harper Lee, who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird, Nancy Reagan, Fife Dog, Gary Shandling, Eric Bowersford, who played Admiral Akbar in the Star Wars trilogy. There's going to be some Star Wars people in here. Merle Haggard, the banjo man. China, the wrestler. Prince Rogers Nelson, a.k.a. His Purple Majesty, Prince. Muhammad Ali. Buddy Ryan, beloved coach in Philadelphia. Kenny Baker, who played R2-D2. Gene Wilder, the actor. Jose Fernandez, the young pitcher for the Florida Marlins. Arnold Palmer. Janet Reno. Leonard Cohen. Florence Henderson. There's a couple more, but are you feeling anything? Fidel Castro. Ron Glass, John Glenn, Alan Thicke, Jaja Gabor, George Michael, Carrie Fisher, and then her mom, Debbie Reynolds. So I want to take this more to the sober for a few minutes. Having feelings about people dying is good. It can make you get in touch with your humanity and your own limits and, and even mortality. But I think some of the, the stories or statistics that I want to tell is the story of weeping. How do you feel hearing them? And just pay attention to your own heart. The Washington Post compiled 957 fatalities by police in 2016. A report released by the FBI documented that 12,000 
765 people were killed by police officers between 2008 and 2012. The five-year study, which grouped all the deaths, regardless of how the targets were actually killed, reported that 77% of the people killed by officers were men, 51% were black men, 46.3% were white, 2% were other races, and the races of 130 victims were unknown. In 2015, at least 102 unarmed black men were Black, excuse me, black people were killed by the police. Over 370,000 people have died due to direct war violence and at least 800,000 more indirectly from the war on terror. 200,000 civilians have been killed as a result of the fighting at the hands of all the parties in the conflict. 10.1 million war refugees and displaced people. The U.S. price tag for the Iraq war is about $4.8 trillion and counting. The wars have been accompanied by violations of human rights and civil liberties in the U.S. and abroad. The wars did not result in inclusive, transparent, and democratic governments in Iraq or Afghanistan. You could read the Watson Institute at brown.org edu brown university for more about that just think for syria for a moment and this is uh some stuff from the syrian network for human rights Four hundred fifty thousand are dead 50,000 of them are children the syrian network for human rights reports that on the main six parties that kill civilians in syria and the death toll percentage distributed among them, all parties have killed less than 15,000 civilians, except for the Syrian regime itself. Let's have a moment of silence for the, these innocents, as, many, as well as the others who I, I didn't mention. Lord have mercy. Yeah, we have something beautiful that comes in the midst of this massacre that continues. We have something beautiful that comes into the midst of our own sense of disappointment or dissatisfaction. Last year was no doubt, again, full of brutality, but it was also full of beautiful things and of hope right in the face of it. I don't know if you look at the uh, Circle of Hope Google Calendar as often as I do. But here are a couple of highlights from this year by month of just some beautiful things that, I, and I, that bring up some categories. A lot of them happen many times, and I don't want to just keep repeating them. But in January, there was music. There was the love feast. There was doing theology. In February, there were the beginning of our art openings, financial seminars, there was an event called Speak Up where Candace McKinley and Mark Charles talked about the doctrine of discovery. There was a family game night, a night of high school punk bands playing music. In March, there was a Dorothy Day fundraiser. One of the miraculous children in our community. There was the Old Testament Overview Day Retreat. Then it was Holy Week across the region. Lemon Hill, sunrise, Easter morning. 
In April, we sent Bethany and three of our pastors to go on an MCC learning tour to southern Africa. We had a spring cleanup all across the region. In May, the Trenton Avenue Arts Festival included free face painting. There was trainings for our Sunday meeting teams, for the cell leaders, for the leadership team of the church. June was the comfort retreat. There were father blessings. There were mother blessings. There was our 20th anniversary picnic. You're remembering any of these things? That's halfway through the year. Some of you don't know what some of these are. And that would be a fun thing to talk about later if something interests you. July, there's weddings, baby goods exchanges, babies being born. August, we hosted a right-to-work dinner where undocumented immigrants told about the plight of the undocumented restaurant worker in Philadelphia. Prophets raged, formed, played in Camden. That's Rage Against the Machine and Public Enemy coming to form a super band. When such things happen, it's a very special time in the world. Usually a bleak time. Prophets of Rage. Okay. Um, September, we had the 30-something retreat, stakeholders meetings. The Carnival Day Resistance had their residency in Minneapolis. October, there was meetings of the debt annihilation team. Circle mobilizing because Black Lives Matter. Circle Thrift is thriving and employing people. Circle Counseling continues to be a generative place of healing. November, there's the Peacemakers Festival. The Day of the Dead celebration. Buy Nothing Day portraits where we photographed and gave away pictures to families. December we had Advent, art shop. Caroling through the neighborhood again, the homeless Memorial Day where we listened to the names of the 200 people who died this year that we know about were homeless or formerly homeless in Philadelphia. John O had a screening for his film Quest about a family in North Philly that's got into the Sundance Film Festival. Me Without You played a secret show that I heard was epic. Maybe even hearing these good things, you would want to say with me the phrase, go home 2016. (laughs) Now that, yeah, we want to try to say it again. Anybody want to just be like, okay, that's that. Go home 2016. Thank you, God, also for 2016. We have Jesus in the midst of this. When I say we have Jesus, I want to explain what I mean. We've been given God with us right into the middle of our situation and in in these situations. And in the Hebrew Bible, the word most often used for the name of God gets taken down to the the tetragrammaton, the YHWH, anglicized Jehovah, Yahweh, translated as the Lord when you're reading the Old Testament. And it's traditionally read as Adonai. Adonai means a lot of things. Um, and people consider it and come up with different definitions and nice discussions. And I, I enjoy them because I like how the, how the name of, of God being understood as my foundation or my fundament, the foundation for a person, for a group of people, the foundation for all of creation. And to get in touch with an even closer person who is this foundation can bring incredible relief and hope and beauty. Disappointment is that feeling of sadness or displeasure caused by the the lack of fulfillment 
of your hopes or your expectations. One way to get rid of disappointment is to drop your expectations to zero. Right? No expectations, no disappointment. Or your hopes, have them down to zero. That is a, that is a possibility. Maybe you'll be less disappointed. I suggest you try composting your disappointment. Let it be what it is. Have the feeling. See if you can let God tend to it. Let's let it grow into something else. Let it get broken down and turned into healthy fertilizer. God can turn, turn it into something beautiful just by coming into the world. And if you let Jesus to touch your disappointment, I cannot promise that you will be allowed to hold on to it very much longer or that your disappointment will remain disappointment. It might even grow into respect. Respect and disappointment have a very curious relationship. When the people that we once respected disappoint us, we lose respect. And a disrespect and lack of respect is running rampant around the, we'll just say, the city. Because we don't just need to just try to quantify people into people groups and in just nation states and all that stuff. But, but people are feeling it. What kind of respect would be a, a healing of your disappointment? Would it just be respect for God? Respect for Jesus? Would it be respect for the earth? Could it be respect for yourself? Could it be respect for another person's feelings or another person's perspective, another person's opinion? Or is it just disappointment or lack of respect? To explore your own dissatisfaction is not just to understand what it is about the world or yourself or your mate or life doesn't please you. To just enumerate the ways you're displeased, that is kind of what Facebook looks like most of the time to me at this point. But it's been a, about a week since I've really delved into computers too much. I was on a really gnarly vacation with my family, and it was awesome. And we even we tried to do 24 hours of no screens and electric lights and stuff. After about 20 hours, I looked into the eyes of my children. I said, you've done enough. You can have a movie and Snapchat so you can keep your streaks. And if you know what that is, do you guys use Snapchat? Good. The, <laughs> if, you, if you don't already, why pick it up, right? It's like a lot of things. It only leads to disappointment when your streaks get broke. The Getting in touch with what dissatisfies you isn't, doesn't just mean complaining or not or getting stuck in analysis. It's an opportunity to understand it, make room for our foundation to touch you at your foundation and turn it into something beautiful in the compost bin. It can even become soil for next year's crop. So I hope that New Year's resolutions don't get cast aside just because it's too small or because it's too big or because you don't think you have the ability to possess some greater resolve, to make a decision and change, to show some respect in a healthy way for a process and have a process. We can build out of our disappointment, and you can see all the economic systems that are built out of dissatisfaction and disappointment and the cycles of oppression that continue to, to plague us. But the, the things that you can build out of respect are much more beautiful they're much more gratifying to you. The relationships you build out of respect are much more wholesome, healing, and enjoyable. 
So I hope that 2017 could be a year where I can get a handle at least on my heart and maybe we, we all can as we're being built into something that's so beautiful that it, it spans time. It spans all of the, the things that, that might keep us apart, whether it's nation states or the, the way that we relate to other people or the color of our skin or the way that the laws define us. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect tab at circleofhope.net.